What up, IG? What up, what up? All right, then. So, what's up, world? All our upgraders, welcome to the main event. Upgrade America. I'm Kevin Rock. Independent 2020 presidential candidate and host and executive producer of, you know the mantra, Upgrade America. I'm joined by co-host and lead metrics analyst, audio production manager, CJ. I wear many hats. The day slayer. <laughs> appreciate the, the uh, flattery, man. appreciate that, sir. Thank now, you. Now, a lot of people don't know about the behind the scenes that goes on for our beloved show. But, yo, I just wanted to let that know you're doing a lot to keep the boat floating. So... Our mission here is to dumb down politics and current events and try to present them through infotainment. Today, our headlines are reparations for slavery and police reform. We'll be discussing these topics as proposed by producer, director, rap, artist, and political activist Ice Cube. In his contracts with Black America, Ice Cube outlined a lot of these things and we're going to be discussing them today. So he detailed many issues with injustice with the Justice Department and um, these documents, they provide a high level blueprint on how to reform these institutions. So um, his second contract proposed several solutions for reparations. And, um, you know, I think this is going to be a great show. CJ, what's popping, man? Where you at today? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, chilling out. This is my last day in the city. It's been a while. Used to live here in 2008. Yeah. Um, when's the last time we met here? We met up here what, a year ago, two years was, ago. Yeah, it might have been a year ago. No, I think uh, Orlando was a year ago. No, but we met in Atlanta too, remember? Yeah, I recall. I recall. It might have been two yeah. years ago. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is good blueprint footage. So do you think that the internet will compensate for the monopoly by traditional media? Yes, I think eventually traditional media, I think it'll be obsolete, probably within the next five years or so. I kind of agree with you because we're having so many channels, we could get more opinions rather than you're getting it directly from the source, yeah. CNN. And it's like, I don't know, there's always more than one side to every story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's see. Was yeah, that's it. I've been. I saw my family in Carolina. Saw a special friend. Shout out to Shotan's cutie. Uh, IG live. Checked her out. Uh, saw my homeboy Zeus. Checked out the family. So yeah, checking out my homegirl. She's gracious enough to let me crash that's and then head back to Orlando. So yeah, that's so pretty much the rundown. It's been an interesting trip. That's what's up. What else we got on the agenda besides our? Um are two headlines. Okay, so we got uh, society topics. The US dollar going digital, cryptocurrency. Cool. Uh, we got a US coin shortage. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. 
Uh, let's see. Trump is pulling out of the World Health Organization. We're going to kind of discuss Ooh. that. See what's going on. <laughs> <Couldn't> help myself. <laughs> We're gonna talk about murder in America. Like we need to get the, get a wrap on this. Yes, how to reduce indeed. it? You know, possible theories, solutions. Um, and then the black card topic of the day is: Will America actually pass legislation for actual transformative change for equality and justice for Black Americans? That's a big question. We've been seeing Black Lives Matter, which we have our own thoughts on it, but we want to really get to the bottom of it like oh are they actually gonna pass laws to help black americans um another slogan for black lives matter since the movement and the organization are used interchangeably we want to yeah. try to come up with something else to identify what we're trying to accomplish something then, that we can all look, get along with <laughs> yes and and, i'm just kidding because everyone's crying about the name and stuff but yeah and then personal stories, we're going to talk about turning Upgrade America into a business. We're going to touch on that as well. Yay, yay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's what's up, man. Very exciting show we got planned for y'all. Um, I guess you, you want to get into it with reparations? I got a little preamble. Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. Give me well, one moment to bring this up. The Ice Cube's contract for America. I wanted to just read off like maybe one from each section instead of two. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I was really, um, I was really excited when you put me on. You, you sent me these links, and I was like, "Wow, like this is what I was talking about before. Like we can make legislation, like everyday people, and you know, and artists and producers and director Ice Cube, see you out there can make legislation, and this can be passed up to senators and Congress, and we we can push." To pass these bills don't don't expect your 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 elected officials to write it for you like we can mm -hmm. put in that energy but anyways before we go into this uh controversial discussion on reparations I have a few things that i'd like to say in a little rant so okay let's do it <laughs> there are no truths but half truths still we must reconcile and agree on the following truths before we set this off so if you find yourself in disagreement with any of the following things I have to say, you should check your history and, I don't know, take a class in empathy. Anyways, number one, slavery of black people was permitted and regulated by the United States federal government for, let's call it 89 years. Technically, black people have been enslaved in North American colonies for nearly 400 years. But to be fair, there's a new constitution in 1776, hence it was a new government. We can uh, further elaborate later, but regardless if it was 89 years or 400 years, the U.S. federal government is guilty through plenty of documentation that they have committed crimes against humanity. Are there any objections? Marvelous. We must go on to number two. So, it was a very bad practice that included rape, torture, and murder. Can we all agree on this? Any objections? Fantastic. Number three. Surely we can all come to consensus that its repercussions are multi-generational, meaning black people today still feel the results 
of racism fueled by the abolition of slavery. Does anyone disagree? Marvelous. You guys are doing wonderful today. Four, can we agree that America is a sovereign nation and sovereign nations pay reparations when they wrong innocent people? The U.S. has paid them before. Any arguments with this? Outstanding. One more for you. Number five. This generation has progressed further than the generation of the one of 1865. I know we can all agree on this one. So, without further ado, if we're all in consensus, let's jump into this discussion on uh, why we need reparations and how we can deliver them. Over to you, CJ. All right. So, let's see. Um, Ice Cube has the contract for Black America. Shout out to Ice Cube. He's not the only one to do something like this, but I think he's one of the only ones to actually put out a document and kind of highlight it. But there's been several types of uh, forms or, you know, um, what do you call it? I'm going blank here. But anyway, there's been several types of documents like this Mm -hmm. being pushed. But now the problem is it always gets lost in translation. So uh, when it starts going up to the senators, House of Representatives, all this, they give us the political spiel. So um, I think this is very sensible and it's all on four pages, which is awesome. And everybody can pretty much comprehend this for the most part, which Cam and I talk about all the time. We need to put everything more in layman's terms for Americans, just in general, that are not lawyers by trade, because most politicians are lawyers by trade. Um, so yeah, let's jump into this. Um, my, I'm gonna just go off of my things that we should consider for reparations. Um, one of the biggest landowners, I want to bring this fact out because this is kind of mind blowing, is John Malone. He's in charge of like telecom or something like that. He owns 2.2 million acres of land by himself. Okay. According to Business Insider by 2018 you know what i'm saying so i just want to put that in perspective this one man owns 2.2 acres by himself there are 2.27 billion acres in the u.s okay there are 40 million black americans yes so i propose that we get one to three acres per person either in a slavery descendant area where you originated from or your permanent residence currently so for example my descendants originate from south carolina so if i choose to say get my one to three acres if i was given the acreage i can either choose to have my one to three acres in south carolina or currently orlando florida that would be my choice but i leave that option up to the person. I don't know how that would fly or whatever, but that's just something I thought of. I now, would... land seems like a very fair compensation for mm-hmm. and a reasonable compensation. And I don't want to say it's almost like an offer you can't refuse because mm-hmm. everyone's argument with reparations for monetary, for money is like, oh, you know, it's going, why should I have to pay for that? Why should I have to pay for it? The land will cost the people nothing. You know, so I think that's very reasonable. Pardon uh my, my interjection. No, that's a good point. And then I also came up with another option. If you don't necessarily want to pay cash, make us, make, make black Americans tax exempt from everything. 
Mm. Federal, state, and local. No, I, I, I'm not against the tax exemptions, but mm-hmm. how do you say 100% for, um, you know, indefinitely? Mm-hmm. We are, we're already a broke state. And what they say about our, our collective spending is equivalent to the GDP of like the 16th wealthiest nation. Yes. So we are, you're talking about losing a chunk of that mm-hmm. revenue to, and you know, and we, so I'm not, I'm not for that. I'm totally for tax breaks. Like my magic number as outlined in Upgrade America Policy for the Future available on Amazon Kindle. Yeah, I'm a merciless marketer. But <laughs> anyways, the policy, the magic number that we came to or, or least what's outlined in the book is 65K. And even 65K in the options of giving money or tax breaks, uh, not loans, but uh, grants to small businesses mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Like, I think that that's, that's reasonable. But... Okay, so I got my third option, the money. You want the money. Okay. So Robert Johnson, former CEO of BET, shout out to him. And uh, he's been on the campaign on this, giving cash payments, $350,000 over, I think, a period of 30 years was his plan. Hold on, you said 365K per person? Yeah, 350,000 cash payments over a period of 30 years. We would be paying the tax on it. What yeah. is that? Per, what is that per month? I or think would, it was, would you think it would be a monthly fee or a monthly thing, or would it be like a um, how do you say a, a one year like you get it boom? Yeah, it's like month. every I mean, year, year, and we would be paying into it, so we're not tax exempt. So black mm-hmm. people actually be investing in their own reparations, which is funny, but um, that is something he brought up, and I thought that. I was kind of on the fence about it because I'm like, if we got to rely on them to pay us over a period of time, mm-hmm. they can kind of choose not to do it compared to giving us a one-time payment and it's already done. And then yeah, we but it's make like, the back in. So, I totally, I totally get that. And it's like that, but doing one-time trillion-dollar payments is multi-trillion-dollar payments. Mm-hmm. My concern is. Because you know, we we if we end up staying in America, because you know everything's hunky dory and you know after reparations, but it's like the hyperinflation, mm-hmm. continuously printing money. It's mm-hmm. like I, I I don't know. I'm a really big advocate of the land proportion, mm-hmm. even more so to um to get like a reservation. Like if, um, again, I'm mercilessly marketing, but the, my other book, Skyward, you know, um, building the dream, it's really talking about building a mega city in, uh, in Death Valley, but getting some, um, some land for a, a, a black reservation, you know, I, I, I think, and I don't want to say a black state because, you know, then that's, that's all. Yeah, you're discussing sovereignty, and that has to be negotiated. But like, um, 
I think for it's been done with Native Americans. Granted, this was their land first, but mm. like I don't know. I think that's another reasonable option that's not going to hurt anyone. It's just yeah. uh, giving us somewhere to build a Black Wall Street. I and you and I have had this discussion on a couple of episodes. Reparations to me means you systematically equalize us to white America, which is legislation, Mm -hmm. which is wealth, which is ownership of land, home ownership, like all these things level us up. Like I think they said the average cost for a black family, well, net worth is like 30,000. And the average cost for a white family is like three hundred and fifty thousand. That's where wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So, I think even in Boston, it's like eight dollars. I think they got it down to the net worth of black families down to eight dollars. So, for me, it's a whole package deal. It's not like I know some proponents are just the check, cut me the check, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that option. I, for me, I rather have, I would rather have a small number of money, say 100K, with all the other legislative changes and land for me personally. And I, I, I do agree with the, the with the monetary incentive and uh, the land is always, it's always a bonus, you know, but I, I the legislation, like, give me an example of what you would want to change with the legislation. Okay, so Ice Cube thoroughly laid this out. It's really dope. Okay. So one example is mandatory civil rights and anti-racism classes in all elementary schools. Black scholars will write the textbooks and curriculum adopted for these classes. Mm. That's nationwide. That's something we talked about last episode as far as education. Um... That's a great start. Uh, Affirmative action. This is another one real quick. Affirmative action for all secondary schools, colleges, and universities, public and private. Black enrollment must meet or exceed the percentage of black population nationwide. 13.4%. In addition, if the black population in the, I think, county the school is located is greater than 13.4, the enrollment must be increased to that a higher percentage. However... 25% 25% of black enrollment will satisfy the county requirement if the school can prove they're a national school with less than 30% enrollment from the state the school is located. The same guidelines that will apply to students will also apply to faculty, which is very important. So I, I totally see that too, like providing more opportunities and how that's going to come back and reflect in, how do you say, in communities, you know? Um, old, I don't want to say all the other ones, they seem like easy fixes, like here, print money, give land, but injecting a lot of these, uh, the the legislation seems to be the tricky part. Mm-hmm. I agree. That would probably be the hardest part. And then, Obviously, we had this discussion too. Dispersing reparations, the cash payment would be a hard part. But then again, we had an example with the stimulus payment. So obviously, they can do it. 
So I, I was talking with a gentleman on, on Facebook. I think it was Forbes printed the article about reparations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so I share it. And he was very emphatic that he said reparations will never be paid. And mm-hmm. like he said well, it would result in civil war. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, possibly. I could totally see. I could see that. You know, like people were really pissed off, but it almost at this point seems inexorable with, you know, the economic instability, the political polarization, the, mm-hmm. the racial tension. So if if I had to, like a, a reason, yeah, reparations, sure, I'm still for it. And um, I, again, it's like I, I emphasize in that one point, if America is a sovereign nation, they have to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, just for the history books, just to check that box. (laughs) This is the other thing I'm frustrated about real quick. The people fighting against equality and justice is so anti-American that drives me insane. If you are for American values, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all this shit... Why are you fighting against reparations, to be honest? (laughs) Really, why are you fighting? Like, really ask yourself, are you afraid that if we become equal, we will excel? But hasn't that not been demonstrated in um, the, the Black Wall Street? And it's like, when you really consider, Black Wall Street was 1920s, right? Mm-hmm. Civil War ended, I mean, let's just say slavery was ended 1865. Mm-hmm. Like, a bit later if you're in Texas. But like, to establish one of the biggest economic uh, powerhouses in that short amount of time, is it's phenomenal. And that's why I mentioned that 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 pro, that private city that that reservation, so to speak, mm-hmm. it, it would be glorious to have you know uh, something like that. And me personally, because mm-hmm. like I said, it's trying to get the the whole cash payouts. As mentioned, people have said it will incite civil war. You know, to get all these tax things and everything, people still gonna be pissed off about it. I don't know, like. A reservation would be, um, I don't want to say I would settle for that. Yeah. It gave me the funding or gave us the funding to build Skyward. And you really couldn't, it couldn't house every African-American. But I mean, if if they gave us enough to have a reservation, they could build, Mm -hmm. as you say, Wakanda, Dubai, out in in the Death Valley. Like, for me, I think that would be reasonable. Um, but one more thing I want to interject, and if for some reason they, they don't want to have a, a black reservation on American sovereign soil, mm-hmm. I would gladly sit in on a uh, bilateral mm-hmm. negotiation with land in Africa. You know, I'm, I'm not against that either, but yeah. give me a quality or give me something. Um, I'm gonna read over these sections real quick, knock them out, so we don't um, go too long on it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So Ice Cube laid out. He's very thorough with this. He hit it from financial standpoint, um, police reform, 
military, like all this public policy. So I'm going to read off a couple from financial reform, which is the biggest key on why black Americans are in the position they are today. So he's saying, let's see, I'll just read something quick. An audit of opportunity zones to determine who's benefiting from disbursement of such funds and tax breaks and public disclosure of the owners of projects granted with such access. So are you familiar with Opportunity Zones? No, you may have to dumb that down for me. Real quick, something was passed federally not too long ago, probably earlier this year or later last year. Opportunity Zones for basically black neighborhoods where we can invest in them and build them up. Basically like gentrify our own neighborhoods. If we can have you, uh, ability. Can Say again? Can you name one? I'm not sure what. I, let me let me look at an opportunity zone. That's basically okay. a general concept. Like they're giving us first crack at regentrifying our neighborhood or revitalizing our neighborhood. I, I like that. I like that concept. Um, let me see. Um, example. Let me see one. Okay, some opportunity zones possess large corporate tenants, wealthy households, New York City property. Well, <laughs> this is kind of, I guess, a messed up version and of that's it. That's all. Really, uh, wanted to see if they they had something like that in New York. Uh, for example, the New York City property where Amazon will build one of its two headquarters in Long City Island, Queens, is considered like an opportunity zone. But I don't know if that went through or not. Now, um, like, I could only imagine there would be opportunities for the residents in, in that neighborhood. If it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this is only an assumption. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read actually what it is because you asked. I okay. actually found a quick version, a uh, definition. An opportunity zone is a designation and investment program created by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 allowing certain investments in lower income areas to have tax advantages. The purpose of this program is to put capital to work that would otherwise be locked up due to the asset holders unwillingness to trigger a capital gains tax. So. Now it's still a little gobbledygook. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, this is better. Opportunity zones were created to spur investments in designated census tracts that have been identified as low income areas. By investing in opportunity zones, investors are able to defer and potentially reduce existing capital gains, as well as potentially eliminate future capital gains. I thought it was gonna be better, but <laughs> excuse us for all these political jargon answers. But basically how I said it earlier is kind of like to give us an opportunity to gentrify our own neighborhoods if you have the capital it sounds like to me okay um okay so more on uh financial stuff let's see what ice cube mentioned corporations are publicly re regulated as part of certified certification process all past and current taxes tax returns must be public um basically they're saying vc venture capitalists and private yeah. equity funds um, should take money from police unions or other public entities and invest 13.4% of their total funds in Black-owned businesses. That's an example. Um, judicial and public policy reform. This is under this section. Rec yeah. Recognize racism as a public health crisis that mandate 
mandates a federal response. Um, pre- prisoner, you and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. Prisoner labor not allowed without consent. Prisoners must be compensated at minimum wage and hazardous pay provided for all applicable duties. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I kind of I really agreed with that because of something I outlined in the mm-hmm. America Handbook Policy for the Future, like forced labor is slavery at the end of the day. And I know in the Constitution it says it's okay if you're prisoners, but like that shit was still written in like 1776. In 2020, there should be no form of slavery, regardless. Um, you know, I think it should be voluntary. Mm-hmm. And um, additionally, it, it should be voluntary labor, but you can give a uh, how do you say a wage, but mm-hmm. also I, I would say that prisoners should be able to be compensated in uh, better living quarters, mm-hmm. you know, like better food, better activities, some conjugal visits. You know, these are very strong motivators. I think great ways to reform prison mm-hmm. but yeah so just wanted to throw that out with as far as there should be no uh forced there should be no forced labor but yeah. um, i don't want to go too too far off from this but I, there's a part where i wanted to mention that we can utilize prison labor volunteer prison labor to collect plastic the problem with plastic is it's only three it's three hundred dollars for one ton so that's the labor of moving plastic around is counterproductive, and that's why no one wants to recycle it. But if we find a way to utilize prison labor to do it where they're getting paid more in benefits than in flat wages, mm-hmm. we can find a way to clean up our planet, upgrade America, all that good yeah. stuff. Back to prison reform, CJ, I, I shared my thoughts on, on how it is. It has to be voluntary. Um, I'm trying to think of something else interesting um oh this one i really like and i'm curious to know what you think about this all right currently the black population is overrepresented in the military 17 percent of soldiers are black the percentage of black enlisted soldiers is even higher to compensate for this disproportionate contribution to our nation's defense five percent of defense department a defense budget should be allocated towards beautification, education, youth programs in predominantly black neighborhoods. Such programs would build goodwill towards the country, resulting in greater patriotism, more successful recruiting efforts, and generally more enthusiastic popula- military population. What do you feel about that? I thought that was a dope idea. Um. Yeah, I, told, I totally see that, and I didn't even know those statistics were so high. You said 17%? Is the mm-hmm. overall, for, and that's for enlistees? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. I had no idea the demographics were, were uh, was was that high, but yeah, definitely need to, um, to do that. And I did the calculations real quick. It's mm-hmm. like 65 million. That's it. And you said and 65 that, mil? Yeah, out of the Department of Defense budget was like, I think, 1.9 trillion or I forgot yeah, what the number was. You said was. this already before, and you asked me, yeah. like when we were talking about uh, funding Israel, and you said, where, where could that money go? Well, I mean, there's countless millions. You yeah. know, I'm, 
There's countless millions that could go, you know, that could go a long way in, in yeah. certain communities. But again, I think it's really going to take some external people to come out and really sit back and say, look, guys, we got $4 trillion to run the federal government. What's the best way we can do this? And then really look at the pot because <laughs> I, I don't want to say there's a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse and, and poor yeah, allocation is, of resources. <laughs> But there's a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse, and poor allocation of resources. Like, it, it can be definitely can be. Uh, we can move things around and 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 make a well upgrade America. You know it. It's like, um, last two, abolish the Thirteenth Amendment in any form, including as punishment for crime allowable by allowed by the Thirteenth Amendment for prison inmates. Oh, that's that's what I was mentioning. It it should be yeah. uh, the it should not exist in any shape or form because when you really start talking about the prison industrial complex mm -hmm. and just the whole nature of capitalism, the nature of capitalism particularly is to really to drive revenue, to, to make money. But then when you're talking about a CEO who's like on the board of like some private prison, like how can we get our numbers up? Like, true. <laughs> And then it, when it comes to where it is profitable for for to, to be locking people up, there will be where there's a will, there's a willy. They will find a way to make some money, and so that's why it's like um, I see a hustle. You, you, it's a it's a multi-billion-dollar hustle, but mm -hmm. I think in this glorious 21st century, you know, you need to reevaluate it, and if you can find a way to capitalize off of uh, housing over a, a million people in, in your jails and your prison surely you, you you geniuses can find a way to capitalize and profit off of feeding that the half a million uh the half a million homeless people mm -hmm. out there just saying if you can um we can't depend on altruism to do these things so we need obviously <laughs> we need some capitalism behind it True. Um, I'm ranting, man. No, you good. I got a couple things. more. I got a couple more. I'll let you dive into what you want to talk about. Okay. The license. I like this. The licensing of public airways to broadcast networks such as NBC, Fox, CBS, and mm -hmm. ABC must have black produced content equal to 20% of total amount of content on network. Same applies with radio stations. And other media given access publicly to licensed airways by the FCC. Hmm. I'm, I'm for that, and I hate to, to to break it down like that, but it's almost like we have to force feed you black content so you get used to seeing black people in yeah. a light that's not like portrayed negatively spun by the media. Because it's a very it's a very powerful perception. It's like um, the just how uh, black people are being used in in how do you say it? in movies mm -hmm. and stuff, and and even in in the, the music game as as well. But it's like we need to be shown in, in a a light, you know, beyond the scope that's being represented right now. So yeah, fully agree on that. Um, last one I read, and we, we've talked about this. I forgot, maybe during Black History, uh, the Black History episodes we did. 
Um, a memorial built in Washington, D.C. to the victims of police excess force resulting in death or permanent disability. Analogous to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in all names and ages included. So basically a memorial like saying, hey, this has happened in America. We want you guys to remember that this is part of our history. So I was saying an apology. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So basically yeah. like apology where you can see it every time a visitor or tourist comes to the nation's capital. And, um, you know, it's if they're not going to do all these things for reparation, like give us a formal statement, check that box. Say America, like totally acknowledge it and said, fuck it. Like, and then I don't want to say we're going to stop fighting for it, stop pressuring uh, politicians for it, but at least that will show us where you stand. And then, you know, further expose the, the hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, tell me your thoughts on this. I've gone on long enough. As far as, um, you know, like I said, we, we outlined it before. Um, at this point, I really like what you said with the, with the land, because I think that's reasonable. And I hate to do my, my Marlon Brando impression, but I'll give you enough for you. You can't refuse. And it's, that's really enough for you can't refuse. Like land is... It costs the people nothing. Sure, there's going to be some administrative paperwork, and but you know you can do that on online. True. And, you know, um, but I, I think that's reasonable. Where would lie the hurdle with that is where you mentioned about uh, doing it in particular states. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the reason why I like the Skyward Initiative is because you're not disrupting like anyone, and because you know people hate disruption. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but when you're building something new from the ground up, you know, I, I, and I, with the potential to be bigger and grander than, you know, the, I learned about Black Wall Street in my adulthood. Yeah. Had I known about that as in my childhood, you know, um, my, my business aspirations may have been uh, much more grander. I may have developed them earlier but like now in in my youthful age of 37 like <laughs> I, I foresee like not just a, a street but mm -hmm. like uh, you know like a a mega city something something glorious yeah. but um again i'm gonna ramble about that all day as far as reparations I, I agree with the as far as with the legislation and i think we need I don't want to say there should be a law about representation in in the house in uh as far as like uh having diversity and you know within the representation in the federal government yeah yeah um, i think he highlighted that too as well in his plan that's uh, that almost i don't want to say it almost seems like it, it should be a requirement mm -hmm. um there's i could talk about reparations all day but we can't we can't stay married to the concept of reparations as um, as a monetary thing because I do believe uh, when you do look down at that long list and yes there's a long list of, uh, of, of candidates who received reparations from the American government and land I believe was on there for several of them for uh, the Native American tribes so like 
there's value there's definitely value in land it's like when you have it and it's yours forever you can build it up and like for me i think that that's a that's a wonderful thing again i wouldn't just leave it at that because it's like yo here's some land out in the middle of nowhere have fun <laughs> we would need a <laughs> we need a little bit more assistance than that yeah i like i said i get my thoughts i think top to bottom definitely mm-hmm. legislation is the key to all of this for to really make like transformative change we'll talk about it later in the in the program but all right enough of that we're going to talk about society topics which is the u.s dollar going digital and cryptocurrency your favorite arena which i'm it's growing on me now so. <laughs> okay cool so um my knowledge on, on this i'll just skim through it so everyone uses facebook facebook's watching me now what's up mark thanks for the platform but anyways, uh, he had his own. He was had his own cryptocurrency. He wanted to launch called Libra, and because mm-hmm. it's like Facebook's position, i.e., having like two billion users, they're a very powerful entity. So mm-hmm. in doing this, it got a lot of scrutiny, and he had to go before Congress and all these. I believe there's more Senate hearings, and mm-hmm. but anyways, they're like no. Or they kind of put some roadblocks in the way of him launching that. But at the same time, they're like, hmm, it's a pretty good idea. We should do that too. Because right now, China has a digital... It's like every country has their own dollar. Unless you're in the EU and and, and things of that nature. But anyways, it's like... Cryptocurrencies used to be independent of the dollar, but now China has a cryptocurrency that's backed by their dollar or their dollars backed by a cryptocurrency. And the federal government is flirting with that idea right now, which is exciting for me because I'm a crypto enthusiast and I foresee it would drive the price of uh, Bitcoin up. But at the same time, it's like for all you cash business people and everything it's gonna be a hard adaptation when they'll be like oh all the dollars grab 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 like they're gonna get them off the street and ultimately it's gonna end in more uh, it's more transparency with transactions mm-hmm. and more control meaning your accounts can be frozen and everything like that but at the same time this would make bitcoin more valuable i don't want to say it would be it would be outside of that system mm-hmm um yeah no cash you don't have to mess with the virus now you don't have to touch that filthy money Mm -hmm. Um, it's still it's inevitable that's why i'm like i I get it i see how it's going to be used and abused but like can't stop it at this point what are your thoughts yeah like i'm slow to come around but the more i've been reading and seeing current events and everything like it's coming and I was thinking about it. I was like, most of our stuff is digital anyway, direct yes. deposit. You know, like it, stimulus, for example, when you got that, that was all digital, basically. So most of our transactions are digital anyway. Cash is more like kind of off the books transactions, if you want to yeah. kind of. That's how I look at it. It's like it's more off the books, but the fact. Well, but it, it I, says it right on the note. It says yeah. for all. Um, purchases you know what public and private or something like that something like that um go ahead it's 
really foresee like I know Bitcoin is like a, a foreign idea to a lot of people, but if you really want to do transactions that are not documented and in timestamped and mm-hmm. it's gonna be these cryptocurrencies that are out now. But and that also leads to the other topic. We could just blend it in because it's in the same thing, the US corn shortage. Mm. So um obviously because of COVID coins keep germs and stuff on them so the mint u.s mint has not been pumping out as much because of covid social distance and all that so i also think it's ironic and you and i talked about this that all this is kind of coming at the same time with us looking at crypto and digital currency on top of a coin shortage due to is actually an easier way to transition i feel like into the digital realm of currency you're absolutely right and it's gonna be very strange mm-hmm. it's like for me like i'm a digital guy like i hardly carry cash you know yeah bug out cash but like it's uh i've gone accustomed to like you know swiping cards here doing transactions here but it's like there's a lot of people who are strictly cash and that's gonna really disrupt it it can be tough to get to get used to but again, um, the, the term follow the money is going to have more meaning when it <laughs> becomes digital. Yeah. Strange sounds, right. bro. Coin shortages. That's It's very convenient, it seems. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that. So we're going to talk about Trump pulling out of the World Health Organization. It's supposed to take effect so far july 6 2020 how do you feel about that what are so your that's july 6 2020 i thought it was something 2021 okay cool cool 2020, i'm sorry 2020. um so my understanding the main reason why he wanted to pull out was because of the misinformation and i can kind of agree with that and it's like remember when it was coming out there's a lot of information about oh you may have temperatures you may not and to be fair, yeah, we're finding out that it is people can be asymptomatic. But mm-hmm. then there's the talk about, oh, you shouldn't wear a mask unless you're blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of videos yeah. coming out. A lot of things saying, don't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. And then now they're like, oh, you should wear a mask. And there's, you know, and they're saying that could have saved a, a, a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. So my, where I'm at with that is, do I trust the CDC more? I don't know, <laughs> but you know what's yeah. interesting? What's interesting is like mm, we are so. at a interesting time where we are, where some people who are not Trump fans are more in agreement with it with Trump than with the the who, who is um, really in league with Bill Gates, and it's um it's very interesting times. I don't know. What do you think should? <laughs> It's, it's tricky because it kind of comes off as isolationist instead of globally trying to resolve issues. But if you go back, they're saying some countries knew as far back as September. Mm-hmm. So, and we, they're saying we found out kind of late, like, yo, like, why weren't we informed? When did we start covering coronavirus? Because I was scrolling back through the episodes and like, we were on it pretty early. Yeah. But it wasn't a big deal. 
yeah big deal in america when we first started talking about it and then it's just like boom yeah and i remember you did the projections and everything i was kind of like all right um <laughs> i kind of blew it off until fast forward to now it's like oh shit like <laughs> okay cam you were on that um i don't know it's very tricky i can kind of understand because i'm sure we fund most of who like the un like nato like so yeah i wouldn't be against okay cool like we'll still just we'll be friends you mm-hmm. know but we're not paying for dinner all the time like maybe cut back some funding and then you know divert those into the black community seriously but uh we can i would still maintain some sort of relationship but yeah maybe dial back some funding a bit yeah i agree with, I agree that. with you being the isolationist because it's like sure would who share some critical information that would save lives and yeah would there be a potential delay because we're not in the loop we're not immediately cc'd on every email and every communication perhaps could that result in the in the loss of life there's a possibility so again maintain some sort of relationship don't cut ties you know at the throat but um you know we talked about this on season one too, global intel sharing and security. Yes. <laughs> so this kind of ties into that. Like this is a national security threat, obviously. So it's interesting how you see it actually play out. And then I could say other countries point the finger like, oh, you guys are irresponsible. Like, well, if we got information late too, of course you're not going to be prepared for all this. But we do, we did point out like, for medical supplies and all this stuff that we depend on foreign nations to manufacture, we should have been doing that domestically to at least mitigate some of the issues that we had during uh, Rona. That is um, that's something to consider too. Like, that's, I was listening to a really great video on open source Intel mm-hmm. and how more or less they're using social media and everything to get all this information but even google maps mm-hmm. and, and, and things of that nature but people are sharing more intel and i think um maybe we discussed it before mm-hmm. but it would be a bit more sensitive you know like where one nation perceives to be someone to be a terrorist organization not naming any names <laughs> another considers to be like but those are our friends so sharing intel with that i could see that being a um you know that could be have some some blockage but with sharing intel which is essentially information regarding the health and covid i think i really see that opening a lot of doors for uh let's call it geo communication on uh, geopolitics or yeah geo it kind of falls in the realm of geopolitics yeah um all right so enough on that let's talk about murder in america how we can reduce it what do you think <laughs> we crazy as hell we the wild wild west for a reason we like yeah, our guns. It's, it's, it is wild man america prides herself on being a sovereign nation land of the br- land home of the free land of the brave all that good stuff land of the free with like the most prisoners in the world <laughs> I know, right? Home, home, of, home of the brave with murder rates akin to third world nations. Like, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about murder in America. Um, again, I, the reason why I brought this up, CJ, is just because it's like, 
I want to emphasize all murder sucks or all, all murder is, is bad. We have become a society that has accepted some forms of murder or abortion, like uh, people, certain forms of deadly force and even the permission of uh, cigarettes and things that will kill you. It's a form of murder. But um, it's, it really sucks when it's from the state. And that's why I want to emphasize, uh, you know, uh, when you, you have agents of the state that, that are killing U.S. citizens, it, it really makes murder even worse. And so I want to emphasize that because the response seems to be black lives only matter when it's a, a, a white cop that kills someone. That's what's floating around the Internet. And yeah, I, I, I see your response. Very, very clever. But I'm just emphasizing all murder sucks, but it's worse when it when it's sanctioned from the state. So w- w- without that, um, yeah, there's a post that was going on on Facebook, and they they showed the casket of a young black man. Mm-hmm. Um, on him, a man, a kid was like my son's age, might have been like seven years old, and he was in the casket. White mm-hmm. suit got killed in um in in some wild shit, you know, that happened in Chicago. And I'm just like, yeah, when you're looking at the police, uh, police shootings, it's like 1%. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at it's one, it's not a very large, um, the stats for, for police shootings are they're not as large as the stats for other types of murder. Mm-hmm. And, um, Seeing seeing the kid in, in in the casket was just like all right cool it's like yeah we definitely riding against police violence we were we're standing on protest for that you know until we really see equality and, and reform but what can we do about this and I'm referring to to you know it's this what's going on man like mm-hmm. murder in America uh. Man, we've touched on a lot of this during season one, to be honest, uh, with all our different episodes from prostitution to education to mental health. Yes, indeed. So all these things tie into it. Uh, we are a nation of uh, sick people, and that goes med- medically, spiritually. I think it, it ties to all levels. I think we just need to start learning how to heal uh, systematically, holistically, as I like to say to get to a better place. Um, The mayor of Chicago, I saw this one interview and they asked her straight up, like it was right before 4th of July weekend, which we all know had a lot of shootings, crimes, whatever, killings. I think Atlanta actually had some too over July, 4th of July weekend. Okay. But the one thing she said that pretty much black America knows is we know the issues Basically, government does not want to fix them. That's what also leads to contributing to the shootings and crime and all this stuff. It's a systematic thing. We know so, the root cause. Like, okay, so, have legislation so to do this. And and I, I will agree with you on that. And so we, but so we know that. Mm-hmm. You know that. I know that. She knows that. So acknowledging that what is within our power what can we do 
starts in the home, like you talked about. We talked about this on education. A lot of this stuff is learned from the home. Parents need to be better educated to provide great information for the kids. Learn reading uh, warning signs of depression, anxiety, prone to violence, stuff like this. Like we really need to be more proactive in the home. And I think starting there is probably the best place. And then we can go from the rest of it from there. So when, when I'm looking at the stats for murder, okay, just like all this shit that's floating around, disinformation that's floating around, mm-hmm. the, it's very difficult to fact check. Like some yes. guy was saying like that black people were responsible for 81% of murders in America, which is obviously hyperbole, but I really, I want the hard number. I want to know, I'm like, it's clearly not this, but what is it? Mm-hmm. And I, could, I couldn't find that. You know, it was difficult to find. Uh, as you mentioned, CJ, you said you were going to check the, the FBI's website. I checked yeah. that website and it's very, the data is very obscure. At least I didn't know how to interpret it. Yeah, I was the same way. There's a lot of trying to find exactly what you're looking for. It had like violent crimes. We're looking for homicide, but it had violent crimes. So you got to go through all these categories and it doesn't give you like hard numbers. It has like different other metrics to measure it. So it was really challenging trying to find like hard data. I was jumping between the FBI.gov, the Department of Justice uh, website, and then the CDC also had some stats on murder by demographics. It was like, you can see, you can see which demographic is getting murdered more. And surprisingly, black people are being murdered more than uh, white people. And one of the charts that, I'm not sure if they all aligned. And that's why I said it was very difficult to, to, to get these hard facts. But nonetheless, we got a problem and um I, I, you mentioned the mental health mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's something that we could push for and i don't want to get ahead of myself because i know you got something uh down the pipeline on um black legislation mm-hmm. but <laughs> i don't i, I want to say it's already like i don't think they're gonna pass no black legislation we need to pass legislation and, and craft it so it entails quality so that is crafted so that it pertains to how do you say attributes that are you know that black people are commonly found in like if it's like for instance tailor it to a specific neighborhood but don't say don't say black people so it's it's parameters you know but I don't want to get away from that. I wanted to say is that we need to push for legislation for mental mm-hmm. health to yes. where everyone to where everyone can get mental health because you mentioned that before about searching for signs of depression and maybe if uh, there were um, people had more or less more access to the mental health would, would there be less shooting? I don't know, but I, I think it's something worth exploring, and, and I'm very confident there will be other benefits besides that. But what else do you think could uh, could help? 
Um, Ice Cube mentioned in his contract for Black America as far as like police officers. Mm-hmm. Like, and you and I have spoken about this too in our season one about law enforcement and how to reform law enforcement. Since that's one of the biggest public health issues for Black Americans. Yeah. Um, is, and I've seen examples of it. I think it's called like something they hold in Orlando is like a neighborhood, a night out with the cops or something like it's like a like a festival meeting or something where you meet the police officers that patrol um, the area. But I think going back to the old school way of how you used to police, you had to live in that community. Okay, so yeah, let's bring that up real quick because I saw a really awesome video. Shout out to Nyasha. She sent this to me. First and lady. It was like... Hold on, before you pause that thought. Thanks, IG, for joining. Sorry I wasn't as interactive. We're trying to get like this information out, and we're on a kind of a time crunch today. So I appreciate all the support, ladies. I will shout you out later. And yeah, my, mainly the ladies. Um, peace out. Peace, IG. Okay. Well, yo, so like the video right. saying like how they gave the percentage of cops mm-hmm. in the inner city who actually lived in the inner city, and it wasn't a lot. And they brought up the point that these guys are coming in here, they're working in the city, and they're taking those wages and those taxations to other, uh, you uh, know, yeah. counties. Mm-hmm. And then when you really put it down, it's just like you're robbing. Uh, you're robbing these cities uh, from, from, from like thousands if not millions of, of tax money and I believe he even mentioned about the, uh, the pensions as well mm-hmm. so I'll slide that in here was the timestamp like 101 so I'll mm-hmm. see if I can slide that in here I may or may not because editing is tedious sometimes what percent of the police live in the city? Uh, about 5% or so 5% so 95% don't live in the city so when you say that the vast majority of the percentage goes towards salaries, etc., yes, fringe benefits, that means that they take their money on 81, go to outside the city, pay taxes in those communities that have some of the best schools while we have an underfunded school district. $60 million up. So I just want to put into context what we're talking about, because it's really easy to say, Mayor, and with all due respect, I like you. But that was a very politician answer. What, I'm it's, sorry, what specifically? The, the, we will consider and we will look. When I'm, when I'm, what we're saying is we're not interested in considering and looking. What we're saying is actually there's 50 million. Commit to 20 million cut. Right. Because we're sending money as the mayor of Syracuse. When you don't have a tax base, you're sending money out of Syracuse. And not just for 30 years, for the rest of their life. Because their pensions their health insurance, their family. So we are funding for other people's communities to have the promise of the American dream while we are denying it in our community. That's the context that you as the mayor have to look at this under. So when we talk about renegotiating union contract, what we're saying is you can't play around with maybe um, we will, no, y'all gotta go because you don't provide a service that is beneficial to the community, that is meaningful to the community. The services that you provide criminalize our community, impoverish our community, reallocate resources to suburbs. We are actually funding the suburbs, both in our police departments and in our schools. And to be clear, just to be clear, it's not just the fact of like the percentage of people. We're also funding what race of people 
on the police force. The percentage of race of teachers as well, superintendent, board president. So we want to put in context because it's not just a class issue, it's a race issue. We're telling black and brown people and poor people, you don't matter. The, de the devil's in the data and in the details. Mayor, respectfully, it is not acceptable for us to be here considering. We got to be bold. You said you were going to rise above. That's your camp. Yeah, that, that clip is glorious. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it was a citizen out of Syracuse, New York. I believe so. A black gentleman and the way he described it was beautiful and i was like yes he nailed it so yeah definitely input that in there because that was uh, awesome. I, I will make the effort to slide that in but yeah he really represented that uh very well and i, and I wanted to share that because it's a very valid point mm -hmm. but, um, yeah i know we kind of deviated from from one where you you're going um Nah, we good. We right on topic, bro. Okay, this is cool, cool. so. What this we is solution. Uh, black card topics today. Um, I ran across this real quick. I do want to play this clip because it's very important. It's something we overlook. Is black women in policing? Um, okay. It's something I never really thought about. I ran across this clip. Um, maybe you could pull it up. We pull it up at the same time and one of us leaves the sound and we do like a little commentary or something after, or you want me to just play it and then we talk about it real quick after. It's like two minutes. Is it, um, you can just play it uh -huh. and I'll listen in if it's okay. something I can pick up from the audible. All right. And, um, yeah, I'll slide the, the video in. But that's a very um, interesting topic. I never really gave much thought. I know. Shout out to black women. They they hold down America and black people in general. We don't give them enough credit, but I think they're starting to get their credit now, rightfully so. Um, so I just want to send that shout. I'm waiting for this ad to pass, and I put the music. I mean, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, let's see. It was very fascinating. Brief commercial break. Upgrade America merch. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Printing on demand, DM me for details. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, uh, I got more commercial time. So, Upgrade America, Policy for the Future book. Available on Amazon Kindle. Skyward, Building the Dream. Available on Amazon Kindle. And First Son of the Dynasty. Available on Amazon Kindle. All written by Cameron Rock. Upgrade America. I'll let you do your promo. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, man. I'll just throw okay. it in the air. Nah, nah, I'll let you go ahead because, like, I got the clip now. You ready? Yeah, let's roll. That any threats made against our schools, credible or not, are Rochelle Brackney is the chief of police in Charlottesville, Virginia, and one of a kind. Thank you so much. The 36-year veteran is the only black woman on the force she commands. Hired there after racial clashes in 2017, rising above skeptics who questioned her gender and her race. I was told I was a fly-by-night affirmative action quota hire. Not that I hold a PhD, SWAT trained, gone to the FBI National Academies, bomb schools, secret service. The widespread protests for racial justice following the death of George Floyd in police custody also focused on the lack of diversity in America's police departments. 
According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics in 2016, just 9% of full-time officers were black men. Only 3% were black women. Do you think that recruiting more black women would reduce the level of violence we see in black communities? Yes, I absolutely believe that. My shared and my lived experiences allow me to look at things through a different lens. We're gonna do an investigation, we'll get back with you. But Sergeant Marilyn Thompson says getting on the force meant overcoming racial bias. Did you ever feel you had to work harder, be better than white police officers? It was a lot of times that I had to prove myself. The 27-year veteran with the University of Arkansas Police Department says being a black female cop is an asset for her entire community. I think diversity is a powerful thing. I think it helps the community and it uh, take away the distrust that we have. We need to own our violations and then make sure that we put systems in place that that's never occurs again. The community is demanding it of us and we have to demand it of ourselves. A moment of reckoning in a movement demanding change. For today, Rahima Ellis, NBC News. I'll talk a little briefly about it. Okay. It's a 36 year old, uh, 36 veteran, uh, 36 year veteran, uh, black woman, chief of police, I think, um, in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, which we know what happened there in 2016. Tiki mm-hmm. torches, all that good stuff. So they were talking about black women representation on the police force and the challenges they face that we never talk about. And they were trying to say they she was an affirmative action hire, but Dude, you go down her resume, yeah. she was like SWAT train, federal train, like all this stuff, bro. She is like fucking fantastic. Like, we need to highlight this chick. Like, I ain't never seen no shit like that. Um, she's basically like, uh, like I don't like, I don't know equivalent. I can't think of one, but she's definitely a superhero to me. Um, Any military uh, background? I think so, too. I think she checks all the fucking boxes. Um, um, yeah, I think she would be a, a very worthy case study to further elaborate on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. But please, um, tell me more. And then they just talked about the hurdles they face, and they just basically asked them, "We need more black women representation in the police force that can actually help balance some things." Because you got to remember, black women see the world differently than black men. They have I've a done. unique insight. They have a very nurturing and dope vibe about them to where they can probably de-escalate a lot of stuff. Or just from my experience dealing with black women growing up, obviously my mom and grandma and like, you know, other female relatives, they just have a different way of doing things. And if you have a mixture of that on top of the other changes we propose with police reform, I think that makes for a better uh, situation overall and i just wanted to highlight this something we never talk about i agree and i could see um at the end of the day you need diversity mm-hmm. i recall something that you hit on maybe a season one about one of them the biggest flaws for not having it is, is isolation and just thinking and, and operating in one type of way but when you have diversity you know you 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 have multiple perspectives, and that's always good for decision making. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that on the black. Shout out to you, black women holding it down. Thank you so much. We appreciate cool. you. Cool. Um, next topic 
let's 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 talk about it. let's dig a little deep why people okay. are so mad that we're fighting for equality in america <laughs> will america pass legislation for actual transformative equality and justice for black americans no <laughs> damn okay again like i foresee i don't want to say you have to trick them mm-hmm. but we just have to get Black Americans need to get more involved in the legislative process. Mm -hmm. And as Ice Cube so elegantly demonstrated by writing his, drafting these paperwork, we can push these for bills. The thing is, we have to word them in a way where it applies to everyone. Like, sure, you could draft a bill that pertains exclusively to black people. But as soon as you remember, it's not black people who are voting on these bills. You have to pass that through the whole process, through the through the Congress and the Senate. And then I do believe it has to be veto, veto, <laughs> may get vetoed by the president. Like there are, are are layers that you have to to go through to to get a a bill. As that I mentioned, I want to emphasize: anyone, anyone, can write a bill. You know, there, there's, there's a layer, there's a process for that. And the probability of success to pass these laws will increase if they're written in the way that these laws apply to everyone. And if they're written in a way that we can seek uh, restitution if these laws are, are, are broken or infringed upon, then that, that that's a that's another way that we we can seek to get equality but you, as far as like saying you can't do this for black people pass bring this to the senate they're gonna say fuck up mm-hmm. and even if it does if someone at some level it can be rejected because of personal biases and i don't want to bash black lives matter but if, let's talk you about got, you would have got more support if the and I, and I get what you're saying, but you leave a very big gap for you know for people to say say other things, you know, and you you you're not gonna get the whole support if it's just a, a black bill. You're not gonna be like oh so many uh congressmen politicians are just gonna rally behind one black bill. You have to. I don't want to say you have to be tricky, but you have to write it in a way where it benefits us. And you say people are going to argue like that's this is what people been doing for years. You don't think that wealthy people are like, yo, we want this tax bill to be like this. So it benefits us. This is what people have been doing for years. We just need to do that. We need to get involved in the process. We need to AOC. She's a, a, a young lady and she took the Congress like Imagine if, if mad black sisters were like, yo, every single city out there, they are getting into the Congress. So now we have more people in Congress. You know what I'm saying? If you can write these bills, you can you can run for office. Like these are realistic things. We discussed about a 24 year old youngest, uh, youngest potential candidate yeah, yeah. For, for, for Congress. You know what I'm saying? So it, it starts there. But um, this is exciting for me because, you know, I learned about this lately in life as well, that we can write bills and also found found that, well, I suppose I was not eligible to run for uh, president until 
this election, but I still was able to run for Congress. Yeah, so yeah. that's something too. Like a lot of these black veterans are getting out. We need to get into politics. Like if we don't, <laughs> the same people who are writing laws that that just benefit certain round people, they're gonna keep doing that. And they keep passing them. And then America's not gonna be upgraded. All right, my thoughts. I don't disagree with how you would have to write the legislation. I will push back on the fact that every other group or agenda or movement does get passed specifically for them. And the reason why, which we were talking about earlier in the podcast, is uh-huh. money. We so, do not have so, okay. wealth as Black Americans. We do, but it's not focus like we talked about super PACs and all that we basically need a super PAC to push all this legislation for black Americans because that's how every other group does for their interest so show me one legislation besides the LGBTQ community because that's, that's multinational exactly. that's multinational but, though but hold up. Black that's, hold, up, hold up but that's a group that is a group. I know you're saying it's, it's not it's a, it's a, a multinational, group. it's a multinational group. So show me one piece of legislation. Show mm-hmm. me a, a, a white man legislation. Show me a, a Jewish person legislation. Show me a Spanish or a, a Asian legislation because you're not going to see one of those. And you're not going to see one for it's, it's not going to prosper exclusively for black people. No, but other like i'm saying i'm pushing back because other groups have accomplished this and i don't disagree with what give you're me an saying. example well that was an example the gay community pushed immigration nah, man. That's Those not are a, hey, that's for, okay so that's for a group but it's like again it's not it encompasses all ethnicities like, how, okay how, hold up how does daca help black americans so you're talking about DACA with the whole? Uh, is that with the children and the, the dreamers and all? I'm not. I'm not against it. Now hold on. Now does it that help Black Americans? Is it does it pertain exclusively to Hispanics? Basically. No, but let's be. Let's get to the ground. Does it, okay. Does, go ahead. Does, does it, it pertain does to? It, does it pertain to African uh, if people came from Africa or similar circumstances? Would mm-hmm. it pertain to them? I haven't seen any examples of it. Interesting. I'm just Based curious. It doesn't mean they're. It doesn't mean they're ineligible. Mm-hmm. But I haven't. It does, I haven't. It doesn't seen say. I, I'm very sure it doesn't say in, in the in the bill. And I could be wrong. And if I if I am wrong, then yo, we really need to, to lay it down. But I, I really don't doubt it says this applies to people in Mexico, mm-hmm. Guatemala, all of South America. But yo, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Does it? Does it pertain to because I know it I know it's for immigrants, but I see the face of it. I'm just putting this out there. All Latino, which I have no and, problem and, with. And I and I I'm get saying. that because uh, there's a lot of Latino countries that are to our southern border. So I mm-hmm. get why they would be the 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 face of it. But and I don't know. I'm not a subject matter expert. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the I same thing. Say too. that it does not apply to other nationalities. Mm-hmm. Well, we t- we talked about Israel getting basically funds. What do they need funds for? So that I will agree with you on. Uh, I, I, that I will agree with you on. It's um, how does that benefit? Reoccurring black- because it's reoccurring funds. Mm-hmm. 
I don't see why they we have to keep doing that, but nothing is being reoccurring to uh, to the black community. So I will uh, I will reconcile with you on that. I this is this is my general stance, and I do understand what you're saying. Don't don't get me wrong. I understand exactly what you're saying. You got to word the language where it applies for everybody. So like, say we pass a mental health bill, everybody can get behind that, right? No, say no, no. Have, so here's the thing. I would. I wouldn't, I would put it for mental health bill, but within, not demographics, like racial demographics, Mm -hmm. but income demographics. All the systematic shit that's being used against us, Mm -hmm. income demographics, like location demographics, like those things of that nature, like, oh, you fall within these parameters, cool, you get X, Y, and Z. You fall Mm -hmm. within these parameters, so it's something more like that, because... I understand, or, or at least I, that's how I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. How the, this could be yeah, mis- yeah. this could be massaged. Yeah, but it, I and I'm, I think it would be very tricky to mm-hmm. um, to 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 pass that bill. And that's why I think probably the biggest hurdle is um, for for passing the reparations because it's mm-hmm. like cool, we got the perfect reparations package, right? How many uh, congressmen? How many senators are going to put their dick on the chopping block with this bill and, and their potential voters, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really push and run behind that? I get you. And so, uh, it's like, you know, it's, yeah. they could lose a lot of support. And that's what they, yo, what's up, Dean? Thanks for watching. But they it, could lose it, a lot of support for pushing a, 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 a reparations bill. Yeah, and let alone a, a bill that only benefits um, or is, is exclusively uh, to, mm-hmm. to black people who are, let's just say, what? what? What would you think is the voting percentage? What for voting in like elections, national or local or state? What? Like nationally, like I mean, I, I mean just, we're, we're seventeen. No, it's not that high. Are we seventeen percent of the population? No, we are still think, holding steady at like 14. Yeah, 13. I think you're right. 14, 14. So that's 40 million, basically 40 million votes for the most part. All right. So that's a big voting block. But now you really got to scale that down because it's like not everyone from the 40 million is of voting age and is okay. going to vote. So if we had yeah. to, let's just say, let's just say third, 25. Okay. Mm-hmm. But these are these are things. These are also obstacles that we have to face as well. With uh, you know, trying to pass reparations and, and as you said, legislation like that. And maybe that's why I'm being a bit pessimistic. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna be honest. I'm just frustrated because I see all I do see groups benefiting from. Give you an example. Nineteen with the Civil Rights Act, right? Immigrants yeah. benefited from that act. They were able to immigrate more freely because we got that act passed that's an example but it ties into what you said they worded where you can't be discriminated based on race blah 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 like everything right yes but it benefited everybody else more so than black americans and we're seeing the ramifications of it now when initially i'm really curious who's involved who's sitting in Mm-hmm. When these bills are being uh, these bills are being written. 
Not everyday citizens. I can tell you that shit. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's better to have it written by everyday citizens. I agree. Maybe revised by some lawyers and, and some, you know, some Congress people. And then, like, push it. like, And that's why I, I, I emphasize that. I want that little application where people can get more involved in the democratic process mm-hmm. and, and, and give feedback and suggestions on, on legislation. Because, like, if the rules of the game are written by it, are not being written by the people playing the game, it's a pretty shitty game. Yeah. But, um, that's why, I'm like I said, I'm really glad to see people get involved with these ideas because that's all it is. That's all it starts with. It's an idea, put it on paper, and then upgrade America. Um, my quick answers for these two questions. Um, what's another slogan we could use for Black Lives Matter? Because we read up on them and they're not really for our interests and mm-hmm. spoken about it. So... Shh. You're gonna upset the algorithm. Oh like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no oh, plan, yeah. man. We have our freedom of speech. Yeah, I mean, shout out to the intelligence community yep, and Department right. of Justice. We've been dropping gems for you. What's up? I'm just saying. Um, give, them, give them some time. Okay. Uh, saying the idea for the, um, mm-hmm. the name change. Yeah. What would you name the movement if you could change it to be more specific? Because we talked about the ambiguity of Black Lives Matter. While we do agree with the sentiment, we do see the movement being hijacked so, with other people with agendas. Shout out to um, to Naraya. That's my lady's daughter. When we did our first protest, like I was very pleased with them. This is before we did the um, the episode on Black Lives Black Lives Matter, but we were making our signs. And I was, because everyone was just like scribbling black lives matter everywhere, blah, blah. That was the face of it. But I was glad when they made their signs and there was no, nothing, no input from me. They didn't put that on there. But her sign said, I matter. And I was like, I like that because it was personal. And it was just like, you know, it wasn't race related. But I'm not saying that should be the slogan, but it was so neutral and innocent that I, I really adored that. But um, potential slogans, I mean, just say what it is. Like, end police brutality. And yeah. a lot of syllables, black lives matters for end police brutality. Yeah, that's this whole mouthful. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it, it should the message should be clear. It shouldn't be obscure. Mm-hmm. So um, that's I'll something see. I'd have to brainstorm. What about you? I've seen a movement with anti-black racism, and I like that one because it's very concise to a degree, and it's very specific. It's more specific. So it was saying anti-black racism is should be more of the slogan than Black Lives Matter because we said that organizational. Think, so here's the thing, and, and again, I hate to sound like an old lives matter mm-hmm. that person, but simply saying and racism encompasses all forms of racism and i know it's like let's, we let's have, go down that path then what's i know what's, we have to uh you know it's emphasize you know that it's racism towards the black community but it's like yo 21st century mm-hmm. yo in america black people have gotten the short end of the stick with racism we are getting uh we're we're getting we're it sucks but the the reality of it is that racism is age old 
it happens all over the world and you know it, it, racism sucks you know well mm-hmm. like just by putting in race like and black racism is racist because it's being you you're, you're you're further separating one another and, I, and i'm one of them kumbaya guys who are like yeah. i'm trying to look past that yeah and you know and, and promote the whole unity thing mm-hmm. but i think just ending racism you know that encompasses all of it it simplifies you feel offended by it then mm-hmm. what can you do because like you're um it, it it's it's i don't know i I feel differently. I feel like you do need to be specific because a lot of the reasons we're in the position we are is because of, um, how should I put it? Like we're talking about how you should write the laws, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of the reasons we're in the, in the position we are as black Americans because of how they wrote the laws. So the one thing that's always stuck to me with how they do legislation and the movement that started in the 60s because all the riots and the Civil Rights Act and all this is benign neglect, meaning basically we ignore black people through legislation mm. by wording it like you suggested, right? Another term that perfectly illustrates this is minorities. Minorities oh. is handicapped, a certain religion, white women, immigrants, all these other groups that's not black that's everybody so i feel like me personally it's time that black people get our just due we've done so much for this country mm-hmm. we've contributed so much and we still get shitted on by everybody we have it's gonna sound fucked up but i've been watching this black lives movement and we have i look at it as multiple agendas pushed Temporary allies. It's popular. It's trendy. It's what's going on. We're going through Rona. Hmm. Freedom of movement is not so free. We can't go globally. This is all we got to pay attention to. Sports starting to come back, so we're going to have distractions soon. <laughs> but overall, I'm just frustrated. I'm tired of like sacrifice for everybody else when they don't sacrifice for us. And sacrificing for Black Americans is passing laws to help us become actually citizens and you and i have talked about this too we're technically not really even citizens if you really look at the laws they still consider us like basically three-fifths of a man i see and i agree and And that's my frustration i'm tired of fucking like accommodating everybody when they don't do it for us we gotta actually fight just to get equality is what's pissing me off People come from everywhere instantly pretty much get a leg up compared to us who've helped build this country. I'm pissed off. I'm tired of the shit. That's just my rant. Like, I'm just... I I share your your frustration, bro. And, um... Again, I I, I really think it's going to take... We're not going to change laws by... Joe Biden ain't, ain't gonna take office and just ride for us. It's true. not gonna happen. Very you know, true. Like uh, your your current Congress people, you know, people who've been in playing this game for a long time, they're they're not just gonna ride for us. True. So it is your responsibility for 
all you young, able bodies out there, you know, with ideas and ambitions to do it. Like, it ain't nothing to it but to do it. And that's the only way it's going to change. That's the only way it's going to change. I mean, sure, there's some hurdles once you get in the game. Because mm-hmm. will they get will some of the, the young sprouts get corrupted? Possibly. Yeah. But, you know, I, th- I think the best way that, that we're going to upgrade America is, you know, more people come along for the ride. So I think that's something we need to uh, incorporate into the show as well is show these people how to do it. Like we discussed the requirements to run for Congress. You only got to be 25 years old, American citizen, lives here for seven years at least, you know, and I don't recall if you had to be, but you don't because there's people who come from, here's another thing I want to throw at you. There are people who come from other nations that Mm -hmm. become Congress people, they become senators. So Mm -hmm. it's like, um, it is your civil, civic duty. I'm shaking my finger at you. Like, if, don't bitch to me about well, 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 and point your finger at Trump and, and get involved. Get involved. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. You, you, you um, look at me. Run independently for president. <laughs> like, you, you can run for Congress. But we need that as well as people making, uh, you know, coming up and making laws, getting involved in the democratic process. And that's how we're going to upgrade America. It's a collective effort. Mm-hmm. Um, just to end on a more positive note. Sorry, yeah. I just had to get that off my chest. I just get so frustrated with that shit. Um, turn it, upgrade America into a business. Let's talk about it. Oh, man. I mean, like, you really want to hear my end goal for it? Yeah, go for it. So right now, we were having a conversation how, like, we're not quite the news. And I don't want to be the news, like, right now because this is a great responsibility. I have to take information from the sources that they're given. And it always seems that one side is leaning, they're leaning left or they're leaning right, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like, you kind of have to pick and do all this uh, news and and, and Uh. stuff like that to, to get the truth. And long story short, I want Upgrade America to rival the power of the American CIA and have that access to raw information. And um, we're going to give you guys the news, the unbiased, unadulterated truth, and um, bring it to the world uncut. But that's that's my vision for it. In the near future, yeah, we're going to be uh, reaching out to a lot of celebrities and big names and, you know, expanding the show, maybe talking about some partnerships things of that nature but what are your thoughts uh i just laughed you mentioned the cia i'm like as much as they listen i mean they're inspiring (laughs) me yeah um yeah i for me definitely once we have more freedom of movement i really want to take this show on the road like i would love doing that with you um actually get to meet our fans like face to face they can come we book our own, you know, locations or whatever until we get to a point where, you know, um, we would be field agents, basically. Uh, really think about it, to get the news, to get the raw intel. Like mm-hmm. you'd have to go into the field and get that scoop. And like you said, I would love to do that around the world. Yeah, uh, I was like, we'll give you the raw intel on the best places to eat. We'll give you, you know, the intelligence on, but what what's really going on on the ground? And season one, you talked about Iran. 
I would love to travel to Iraq. Me too. I really get the perspective on what's going on out there and share it with the world. But like, um, that's yeah. I'm excited about the future of it, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm. That's the part I'm more. For me, is more exciting. It'd be dope to get a dope partnership to get the capital behind us to refine and make it a lot better, a lot smoother. But yes, I'm all about that traveling. Oh man, like you know, that'll be dope. We can really touch the people and be like, "Hey, what's going on in your city?" All all groups, you know, included like white, but it don't matter. Like everybody, religious leaders, we want to talk to all you. What's yes, going on in your city? You're our listeners. We're here for you. We're here to learn what's really going on. So I would love that shit. That's me. That's my. I can vision. only imagine how awesome the show was because I want to emphasize this is like amateur hour. Like mm-hmm. we don't do this full time just yet. But when we do, I can only imagine how, how awesome this is. This show is going to be. But yo, everyone for watching. Thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope the rest of your, your evening, wherever you're at in the world, is blessed. Stay safe. Be nice to one another. And end racism. <laughs> Appreciate it, yo. Shout out. Thanks for rocking with me today. I know I was a little fiery today. but yeah, um, And that's what the podcast is for. Come with yeah. that. Let it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, though. I'm a, an eternal optimist. So I just... It's frustrated. That's it. You know, we're going to make it. We're going to make it work, though. Yes, indeed. Well, again, peace out, everybody. Catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. All right, Facebook. Later. Um, stop recording.